Good to see you all here this morning. Uh, if you would, open with me your Bibles to 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. We're starting a new series today. How many of you are glad uh, to be starting something new? We were in the book of Acts for over a year, and that was awesome and phenomenal. I thank the Lord for that, but today we're starting something new, and this series is called The Church. Everybody say, The Church. We're doing a series on what it means to be a church, and you might be asking why in church you would come and do a series on the church, and part of the reason why is this year, Destiny Church, our local church, turns 80 years old. We turn 80 years old this year. All praise to God Almighty who has sustained us and kept us over the last 80 years. I obviously haven't been here for all of those years, um, but I've been here for half of them. So there's that. Anyway, 80 years old. And uh, also, you know, as we move into this 80th year, we, we want to just look at things and, and, and make sure that we're in line and in step with what the Word of God teaches about being a church and living as a church. But also, how many of you know that this last year as a church uh, wasn't your typical year? 2020 wasn't a, a normal year in any way, in any shape, or in any form. And that even influenced the, the church and our life uh, as a church. And, and here we are, I believe, coming out of this pandemic and having to decide how we are now going to live as a church. And so the elders feel that this is the right time, a perfect time, to, to sharpen some areas, to, to focus in on some areas as a church, and, and even in some places to improve as a church. We, we want to be better. We want to be more faithful to God and more faithful to His Word. And I think that from time to time we need to refresh ourselves as members of a church, as members of the body of Christ, on, on what the Word of God teaches about being a church. You know, uh, since I've been alive over the last 40 years, the, our church, Destiny, has had three names. When I was born, our, the name of our church was uh, Revival Temple. Wait, no, only two names, sorry. I'm sorry, only two names since I've been alive. But we started as Emmanuel Tabernacle or Emmanuel Church, and then we changed our name to Revival Temple, and now today our name is Destiny Church. And, and over those years, our, our, we've had a, a course for membership. If you want to become a member of the church, you would go through a membership course. And over my lifetime, there's been four different membership courses. The first one that I remember was called Firm Foundations. Anybody here take Firm Foundations? Okay, yeah, some of you remember that, Firm Foundations. Uh, some, the, the next one after that, I think, was called New Beginnings. Anybody here come into the church when we were teaching New Beginnings? No, uh, one, two, uh, all right, a couple of you. So that wasn't a very good course. It, it, that. <laughs> then after that, we moved on to Discover Destiny. Anybody come in while we were teaching this? Yeah, a few more of you. And then uh, lately, we've been teaching a membership course called Growth Track. Anybody come in under Growth Track? Okay, so th the point being is that for some of you, the last time you, we looked at this stuff together as a church was maybe 30 or 40 years ago. And so, again, turning 80, 
having come through a very strange, atypical year, it's time to refocus on, on some things and to, to, to make some things better here in our local church. To all of us get back on the same page and to refresh ourselves on what it means to be a church. Also, what we're going to do at the end of this series, something we've never done before, but at the end of this series, we're going to ask all the members of the church who will to reaffirm their membership, to reaffirm their membership, to fill out a card, update your contact information, and to say, I'm here, I'm still a member of Destiny, this is my church family. We've never done that before in our 80 years of, of being a church, but we're going to ask the members to reaffirm, to, to say, yes, this is where I'm planted, this is what I want to be a part of. And so, therefore, it's going to be really important for uh, you to come to as many uh, Sundays as we go through this series together so that you can know what you are reaffirming that you want to be a part of as we go through this series together. And there may be some of you here today who, who have never been a member of the church officially, and, and after this series, you, you might say, I want to become a member of the church, and you'll have an opportunity to do that as well. So today is uh, mostly going to be an introduction uh, to the series, and we'll, we'll look at some introductory remarks and, and help us all get ready for where we're going to be going over the next period of time. I, I don't know how many weeks this series is going to be. It started out as eight weeks. I had it all mapped out. And then this week, as I was preparing, week one got split into three weeks. So it's, it's multiplying. And that is, that is for your sake that I'm splitting these up into three weeks because certainly we don't want to be here until three o'clock in the afternoon. Amen? Amen. So uh, we'll see. We'll, we'll be in it as long as we feel the Lord leads us and until we can cover what we really feel like we need to cover. But today is an introduction and uh, I want to start with just this verse from uh, Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. Jesus said this, and this is our theme verse. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Father, we thank you for your word. Speak to our hearts today. Speak to our mind. Give us illumination. Give us clarity. Lord, help us to know the, the, the great truths about your church. Lord, you love the church. You died for the church. You have redeemed us. We are uh, your people. Lord, help us to, to know how to live, how to, how to function, how to organize, how to strategize, to fulfill the great commission that you have for us. Lord, that we would be light in this world, this world that is fading away, this world that is in darkness. Lord, you've called us, the church, to shine the light. Help us to shine bright. Lord, to not hide the light, to not distort the light, to not have the light go out, but to shine your light bright in this world. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. What is a church? What is a church? What makes a church a church? What's the purpose of a church? Who is supposed to lead the church? Who does the church belong to? Why are we here right now? What are we doing right now? 
What's happening right here, right now? What is this? What is it that binds us together? I, I know that in, in some sense, you value the church. If you didn't value the church, you wouldn't be here right now. Amen. Amen? Just by you being here today, you say that this is important to me. Amen. Right? So, so I know that, that it's important to you. I know that you value it. I know that you wouldn't be here unless our gathering was meaningful to you in some way. But do you know and understand why? Why do you value it? Why is it important to you? Why is it meaningful to you? Is it simply a tradition that you grew up with? That you grew up in church and that's what I've done my whole life. I just go to church on Sunday morning. Or is there something more to gathering together with the people of God? And I hope, I hope, I hope and pray that there is something more, something much more to our gathering together than simply tradition. And that's what we've always done. This week I reached out to a group of pastors and uh, I polled them with some of these questions. I asked them specifically this question, what makes a church a church? What is it that takes a, a group of people and, and transforms them and sets them apart from, from being just a group of people that come together to being the church of the living God? And what you might find surprising, I certainly did, was the number of different answers I got. And I'm not, I'm not even... I'm not even looking outside of, of my group of fellowship. I wasn't just randomly calling X, Y, and Z pastor on the phone. I was calling the people closest to me, and, and I was a little bit shocked at the, the amount of um, variance of the, the different ideas of, of the, the way that they answered that question. Now, I gave them no warning. I didn't tell them that I was going to call them and ask them. I, I wanted their just off-the-cuff initial response. But I was a little bit surprised at, at all of the different ideas on what they said makes a church a church. And the truth is that all of us, whether we know it or not, we, we come to the church with preconceived ideas and preconceived notions of, of what a church is and how a church should function and how it should operate and how it should be led and what should happen there. Amen. And if we're not careful, we can let our just ideas of the church from the past influence how we operate as a church today. We all come to the church with a little bit of baggage. None of us is free of that. Uh, we all come to the church with a little bit of of junk in our trunk, if you will. And we all know what that's like in our cars. If I went out and examined every single one of your cars, I guarantee you, there, you, you, you would be shocked to find out what some of you have in your own trunk. Amen. It's just stuff that's left over. You know, stuff just kind of gets in there and accumulates. Unless you're one of these OCD kind of, you know, neat freak people. Um, and if you are, God bless you, we love you. Uh, but probably the vast majority of us have all kinds of accumulation of just stuff in our trunk. I remember as, as when our kids were littler, smaller, younger, and especially when they were in diapers, every once in a while, there would be a smell that would take over our vehicle. 
just dominate. I look in the car and say, what is that smell? It smells like something died in here. And Heather would go and investigate, and what she would find is one of two things had happened. Either one, the kids had brought some food into the car and tucked it away in some crevice or cubby, and it began to rot and stink. Or even worse, that we had been out and about and with the family and had changed a diaper and that dirty diaper had somehow got lodged in the, the trunk in the, back of the, in the back of the car. And it started to, to stink. You think a diaper stinks when they're wearing it. Wait till you let it rot in the Texas sun for a week. Every once in a while, we need to clean out the, the junk in our trunk. And, and it's the same with us coming to the church. When we approach this, the subject of the church, if we grew up in America, if we grew up in Western culture, a, a, typically a nation that has had deep roots in Christianity, chances are you grew up with some sort of ideas about the church. I've met very few, few people in my life that have had no experiences and no preconceived ideas or notions of the church. Even if your parents weren't Christians, even if you never attended church, I bet you had a grandma that would drag your sorry behind to church as much as she could. Amen. Amen. That, that, that we've all had some sort of experience in our past of the church and, and all of those experiences shape what our understanding of what the church is. And so we all come here today with different traditions, experiences, preferences, even doctrines, some of them good, some of them very good, but some of them maybe not so good. And so what we're going to do over the next few weeks is we are going to unpack what the Bible says about the church. This is where God's word comes in. This is the reason why we look to the word of God. And the interesting thing is that of, of all the pastors that I questioned and polled about what makes a church the church, the one thread that united everything, all that they said, every single one of them said, for a church to be a church, the word of God has to be faithfully preached. Amen. Faithfully preached. That, that is the one thing that they all said and all agreed on. It was the one thread that tied everything that they said together. And I believe that that is the truth. That the word of God has to be faithfully preached and proclaimed. One of the pastors put it this way, speaking of the word preached, he said, a church needs to preach, the word of God needs to be preached in such a way that the cross is bloody and the tomb is empty. I like that. I like that. But this is why we need the word of God. This is where we look to the word of God. Traditions are fine. Traditions are good. There's nothing inherently wrong with tradition. The only problem is when it contradicts the word of God. Amen. So what has God said? That is the great question before us in all things, and especially when it comes to talking about the church. 
2 Peter chapter 1, verses 20 and 21, Peter says, knowing this, first of all, that, that's kind of an important thing he's saying, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. He's speaking about the, the authors of the Bible. He says, no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Here Peter says, Scripture doesn't come from men. It's not, the, it's not men who made the Scripture. It's not the church that produced the Bible. In fact, it's God who has spoken. It's the Holy Spirit who, who carried them along, who, who picked them up like a, a father will pick up his child and he, he wrapped them in their, his arms and, and through that they proclaimed and, and wrote down the words of God that we have in the Bible today. Second Corinthians, uh, I'm sorry, 2 Timothy uh, verses 3 and 16 to 17, Paul writes, he says, all scripture is breathed out by God. And profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So as we set out, as we endeavor to, to refocus, to, to sharpen, to all get on the same page about what it means to be a church, we're not gathering with my best thoughts and ideas about what a church is. We're not just getting the elders together and saying, well, guys, what do, what do we think and how should things operate and function? We're certainly not looking to the world for any inspiration whatsoever. Amen. We look to God. Amen. What does God's word say? All scripture is breathed out by God. That's the Greek word. You're going to learn some Greek today. Theonoustos. I'm not really great at Greek, but theonoustos, that means literally God breathed. The word of God, the, the scripture, the, the Bible is the very breath of God, the very word of God. He has spoken and he has done so, so that it would be profitable for our lives, that we would be taught and I think that we can all get on board with that. Yeah, I, could, I, I enjoy being instructed. I enjoy being taught, learning new things. But then he moves on from teaching to reproof. That's correction. How many of you enjoy being corrected? A few of you raised your hands. I, you're my favorite people. No, reproof, correction. For training in righteousness. Why? Because God's a, a guy that doesn't want to see people have fun? No. That the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Listen, if we're going to accomplish God's will for our lives, if we're going to accomplish God's will for our church, it will only be found in the word of God. It will only be found in the word of God. God breathed, theanustas. The word of God is the final authority on all things. Amen. All things. God has spoken. 
God has spoken. That is it. You know, I've talked to you about this bumper sticker I see from time to time. It says, God said it, I believe it, that settles it. And I've told you, you ought to get rid of that second, that second statement. We should believe it, but whether we believe it or not, it's settled. Amen. It should just say, God said it, that settles it. That, with it I, I hope you believe God's word. I pray that you believe God's word. I pray you build your life on God's word. But whether you believe it or not, it doesn't change whether or not it's settled. But the matter is settled. God has spoken. And so as we look to, to see what it is that the church is and how a church should operate, th this is our textbook. Amen. This is the textbook. This is where we go for our instructions on the church. Ephesians 2.20, Paul says, The church is built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. Well, what is this foundation he's talking about? The apostles and the prophets. Jesus himself, the cornerstone. This is a way of saying the church is founded on the word of God. The prophets. That's the Old Testament scripture. All that's written in the Old Testament. From Moses all the way to Malachi. That is the prophets. What's the New Testament? Well, that's the apostles, the the, the, the gospels that we have and, and the, the epistles, the, the letters, the apostles' teaching. And Jesus Christ, of course, the cornerstone, the word made flesh. This means that the church is to be built upon the solid foundation of the unshakable, unchangeable, infallible, perfect word of God. And that in any place that the church would would vary from the, the clear teaching of the word of God is the place that the church would fall and its foundation we begin to crumble. As we look at the, the church today in America, we have to admit that the church is not doing well in America today. By whatever metric you want to use to measure the success or failure of the church, by whatever metric you pick, the church in America is in decline today. And I will argue to my death that the reason why is because the church has gotten away from the clear teaching of the word of God. Amen. That in most churches today, the word is not preached. Amen. That is why the church is in decline. I wouldn't go to a church where the word isn't preached. Why am I surprised that other people aren't? Right? The church in America has to get back to the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Jesus Christ, the chief cornerstone. We don't quote unquote do church according to our traditions. We don't do church according to our past experiences or preferences. We must, if we're going to use that phraseology, do church, we must do it according to the word of God. 
Jesus told the Pharisees, the, the teachers of, of the word of God in his day, he said in Mark 7, 13, that you nullify the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down. And you do many things like that. Again, tradition in and of itself is not bad. There are some traditions that are great and good and holy as long as they line up with the word of God. But as soon as we start teaching traditions, man-made dogmas, we nullify the word of God. We strip the word of God of its power. We strip the church of its power. You see, the word of God has power. The word of God has power to transform lives. The word of God has power to transform families. The word of God has power to transform communities and cities and nations. Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given unto me. Go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. The word of God has power. But the church today doesn't have power. There are no transformed lives. There are no transformed families or communities because the church does not teach people the word of God. There are some things in this series that you're going to love. You're going to have some aha moments. Some light bulbs going off. And that's going to be good and wonderful for you. There's going to be some things that may have been confusing to you in the past, and you're going to get clarity on them as we take our time and see what God's Word says. The the amazing thing about God's Word is that it is so clear. It is so clear. If there is any confusion about the church and how a church should operate and how a church should organize and how a church should live and, and how a church should be led and what a church should be about, if there is any confusion, if it's not a problem with the Word of God... The word of God is so clear and we're, gonna, we're just going to take our time over the next few weeks. It's going to be clear and it's going to be a huge blessing to you. But here's what's also going to happen. There's going to be some things in this series that you will find uncomfortable, believe it or not. I know that might be shocking to you. Some things we're going to talk about are going to be different from how you grew up or different from how you've seen it done in the past or maybe even different from how we've been doing it in the past. We're going to be showing you how things are to be different from what you may even see in other churches today. And when that happens, when that discomfort comes in, when When that bristling starts to take place, I want you to remember something. Two things I want you to remember. The first I want you to remember, I told you this was going to happen. I'm warning you ahead of time, okay? There's going to be times that are uncomfortable for us in this series. So remember that. Remember, okay, on that first week, you told me this was going to happen. But the second thing that you have to remember is that in all things, we must submit ourselves and our lives to the word of God. In all things, we submit ourselves 
to what God has said. And that takes humility. That takes being confronted even with our own pride and sometimes even our own preferences and even our own traditions that we may have held dear. But we cannot set ourselves up as the authority over God's word. Especially when it comes to the church. There's going to be things in this series that are completely out of step with the culture today. Just so 180 from the culture and what we see in the world today. But this should not surprise us. Because the Bible says the world is in darkness. And we're called to live as the children of light. So if the world is in darkness and we're called to live as the children of light, it it shouldn't surprise us when God asks us to do and live in such a way that is different from how the world lives and how the world thinks and how the world operates. Now, of course, the problem is that we live in the world We work in the world. We take in the entertainment of the world. And if we are not careful, if we're not guarding our minds and our hearts 24-7 against the ideologies and the value systems of the world, what we will find is that the world actually starts to set up its value systems and its philosophies in our own heart. It's very likely that some of us has had the world influence us in the way that we think about the church. And so as we start to see what God's word says and its clarity, there will be times where it it really gets to some root things in our hearts. There's going to be a lot in this series that runs countercultural, that is not politically correct, that is in direct conflict, conflict, war with how the world thinks, how the world operates, and how the world functions. To, to live as the church today where we live is, is to live as a fish swimming upstream. Amen. It is not easy. It is hard. It is difficult. The whole world is going one way, and God's called us to go that way. God has given us the power of his spirit, a power that is above every other power. He has enabled us to do it. But we just need to get our minds ready that the direction God has called us to go, the things he's called us to value, is the total opposite of what the world teaches In fact, I know that there's going to be at least one week in this series that is so out of step with what the world teaches that that the Bible's teaching on this one subject when we get to it that you may find it to be so offensive that at one point in this series you may even be tempted to leave Destiny Church. I pray that's not the case. I pray with all my heart that we can work through these things together as brothers and sisters under the word of God. But just so you know, we at Destiny and the elders 
we're committed to what this says. Above every other thought, above every other idea, above every other opinion, God has spoken. And we're sticking with this. We're not going to be ashamed of what the Bible says. We're not going to tuck some of these uncomfortable verses away and just hope nobody ever notices and we'll, we'll obey them, but we're not going to preach them. No, no. All scripture is God-breathed and is profitable for us that we would be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. I want you to know that we as a church are committed to God's word above all else. Christ is the judge of this world. Christ judges culture. Culture has no power, right, or authority to sit in judgment over God and his word. Amen. Now, I love you. I want what is best for you. I, am, I, I make a commitment to you that I am not going to be purposefully offensive. I'm not going to go out of my way to see that you are offended. But I'm also going to be purposefully clear and let the word of God speak. Amen. And that is because I love you. And that is because I want the best for you. God also loves you. And God also wants the best for you. And his ways are perfect. Amen. Psalm 1830 says, this God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord proves true. He is a shield for all those who take refuge in him. And I want you to know that much of this series will have a major Countercultural edge to it. Amen. I did ask you to open to 1 Corinthians, right? <laughs> Man, I'm having to split week one into four weeks. If you have your Bible, just Open it there. I don't have these verses on the screen. I also want to remind you, bring your Bible to church. Amen. Paul says, Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. That's the, the story of Jesus, the, the saving uh, or the, the sinless life, the sacrificial death, the victorious resurrection that he's ascended to the right hand of the Father and he's returning one day to establish his kingdom, to preach, to proclaim, to lift up his voice and to shout it from the rooftops, the gospel. Verse 18, he says, the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Skipping down to verse 21, he says, It pleased God through the folly, the foolishness of what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek after wisdom. 
But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and falling to the Gentiles, but to those who are called, both Jew and Greek, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God, for the foolishness of God is wiser than men. Paul says, consider your calling, brothers. He says, think about your background. Think of who you are. He says, not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Can I get an amen to that? Not many of you were powerful. Again, all of this is according to worldly standards. Not many of you were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being may boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Verse 18, Paul says that the cross, the gospel, the the message that the church is commissioned to preach is foolishness to the world. It's folly. It's foolishness. The world sees what we're doing right now and they think we're nuts. They think we're crazy. They think that what we believe is insane. That's what this says. That's what this says. That the world will think that we are crazy. That we believe in a savior who died on a cross to pay the price for our sins. That rose again on that third day. That defeated death, that defeated sin, that defeated Satan, that now sits enthroned on the seat of heaven, ruling over all the universe, with all authority, with all power, and that he judges all mankind, that he will return and everyone will be raised again, the righteous to their inheritance in Christ, with Christ in heaven forever, the unrighteous, to damnation and hell, and that God will establish his kingdom forever. The world thinks that's nuts. And we hear that and we say, that's the greatest thing I've ever heard in my life. It's the power of God. We, We need to understand, Jesus said, what fellowship does light have with darkness? Light and darkness aren't best friends. Light and darkness don't get together and have barbecues. Light and darkness don't talk about how they're raising their kids together. Light and darkness have no fellowship whatsoever. When the light shines, darkness has to flee. Amen. Amen. The the problem in the world today, in in America today, is that the church is not shining the light. Why? Because we want to be accepted by the world. We want to have fellowship with the world. We want to be accepted in the world. 
It's the truth. And so what happens when the church is led by people who want to be accepted by the world? Who want to receive the praise of the world, the accolades of the world, the acceptance of the world. What happens? They substitute the cross of Christ. They have to compromise the word of God. You will not be accepted by the world if you preach the word, period. And so if you want to be accepted by the world, you have to neuter the gospel, you have to compromise the word, you have to water it down to the point that it is empty of its power. And instead, what do you bring in? You bring in the foolishness of the world. Because the gospel is foolishness to the world. Out of a desire not to look foolish to the world, the gospel takes a back seat. And the world's foolishness is put on full display. The church in America today is full of weak men who are cowards who want to be accepted by the culture. And so they substitute the truth of God for the foolishness of the world. Amen. During COVID and, and when we were closed our doors for a few days because everyone was going to die, they told us. <laughs> and we only had to, we had 15 days to slow the spread. Remember those 15 days? The longest 15 days of my life. They didn't tell us the truth. Wow. Shocking. Anyway, during COVID, I, I started to tune in to see what some other churches were teaching and doing. And the stuff I saw blew my brains out. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe what I saw coming across the pulpits of America. The largest churches in America. It's not the glorious gospel of Christ that alone has the power to save, but instead it is a sea of foolishness, stupidity, folly, games. It's like kids' church. Where is the word of God? It's not there. And oftentimes... What I've seen is downright pagan. Instead of preaching holiness, preachers are preaching humanism. Amen. Instead of preaching sanctification, the church has adopted secularism. Amen. Instead of preaching the mortification of the flesh, which means to crucify the flesh and its desires, like Jesus said, materialism is endorsed. Where is the call to deny yourself and take up your cross and follow Jesus? It is absent. So we will not at Destiny Church take our cues from how to live or how to operate as a church from the culture. Amen. Did you know that the number one church growth strategy, that the number one taught in Bible schools and seminaries all over the world today if you want to grow your church, this is what they teach you. When you plant a church, what you do is you go into the community and you go and knock on every door and you take a poll and you ask them, what would you like to see in a church? How do you think a church should function? 
How do you think a church should operate? Go to the next door. What would you like to see in a church in this community? Whether they're Christian, whether they're saved, whether they love God, whether they're fallen, whether they're unregenerate, whether they're sinful, whether they hate God. They go into the community and they ask everybody, what would you like to see in a church? And they take all that data. They teach you this. If you're going to plant a church today, this is what the, the number one thing they teach you. Take all that data from the world and come and organize your church according to that. That's what churches are doing today. That, that's the number one way. It is incredibly popular to do that today. The number one church growth strategy. If you want your church to grow, go ask the world how your church ought to be and then do that. That's what they teach. Listen, the church is called to reflect Christ, not to reflect the world. If you ask the world what the church should look like, can you guess what they're going to tell you it should look like? The world. Look, have a place where everything is comfortable, where everything is easy, where there's lots of parking, where the children's ministry is really accessible. And look, don't make me uncomfortable with these long sermons. Don't have anybody preach to me. Just give me some tips and tricks on how to have a good life. 15-minute sermonette. And, and maybe some cool music with some guys and some cool clothes. And I want it to look like the club where I go on Saturday night. Right? Have a guy come out and sit down and say, just have some thoughts I want to share with you guys today. That's what they say. And so what do they do? That's what they do. And what happens? The buildings are full. And they're all going to hell because God's word is not preached. The church is the bride of Christ. The church is the bride of Christ. We don't get to decide what the bride wears. We don't get to decide how she's adorned. We don't get to decide anything about the bride of Christ. We take what Jesus, the husband, has said, and we treat the bride of Christ because it's not our bride, it's his. How should the church operate? Well, we must look and see what Jesus said. I have to tell you this one last thing. I, 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 honestly, can't, I honestly can't even still believe it to this day. The, the, the worst example of this, the absolute worst example of this, and I saw a lot of bad stuff. I could talk to you for hours about the insane stuff I've seen in huge, the biggest churches. I would name the names and you would know these churches. I'm not going to. If you come and ask me afterwards, I will, of course. But <laughs> Listen, th this church, I did a sermon on, you can't even call it that, but their main focus that day, they taught their people, I'm talking worldwide global audience, how to live life like Wonder Woman. No, no joke, no joke. How to live life like Wonder Woman. How you can be more like Wonder Woman. To the point where they're qu quoting, well, Wonder Woman said this, and so this is how we're going to live according to Wonder Woman's words. I, I, how, how is it that everybody in that church doesn't get up and walk out? If I ever show up with another book, 
If I ever show up and tell you, listen, this is what Wonder Woman said, and so this is how we're going to live, stand up and get out of here. I, I, I am in shock. Do you know who Wonder Woman is? She's the Greek goddess Diana. She's an idol. She's an idol. She, she goes by the other name of Artemis, the Roman name Artemis. We read about that in Acts chapter 19, where Paul goes into Ephesus and he preaches the word of God so powerfully that they all throw their idols away. You know whose idols they were throwing away? Wonder Woman's idols. Diana's idols. That's whose idols they were throwing away. And here we have a church, a so-called Christian church, today quoting this idol, this false goddess, this Greek goddess, Diana, and saying, this is how we're going to live. We're going to follow Diana. And everyone sits there and goes, oh, okay. It's insanity. It's foolishness. It's a blight on the church. The church must stand on the word of God I'm not here to teach you what I have to say. I'm not here to teach you what anybody else has to say. I'm certainly not going to teach you what some false God, Greek idol has to say. But we will come and we will gather and we will hear what God has said. Amen. And Paul didn't go into communities and knock on doors and say, what would you like to see in the church here? What would all you idol worshipers like in a church? You know what they would say? Get a big idol and put it in front. That's what I'd like to see. What does Paul do? We study the book of Acts for a year. What does he do? He goes into the middle of the town. He lifts up his voice. He says, Jesus Christ is Lord. Submit to him. He is the ruling, reigning king of kings and lords. And if you oppose him, you oppose God. Submit your life to Jesus Christ. He offers forgiveness of sins. He offers grace and mercy and hope. Turn your back on the world. Turn your back on sin. Repent of your sin and follow after Jesus. That's what Paul does. But you know why people don't do that today? Because of what happened to Paul. What happened to Paul? They beat him up and ran him out of town. Don't go knocking on doors asking sinners what they want in the church. You go knocking on doors and tell them Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen. Repent of your sins and follow him. Galatians 1.10, for am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ The goal for Destiny Church is not popularity. The goal for Destiny Church is to be faithful to God and to be faithful to his word. Amen. If that makes us popular, great. If that makes us unpopular, great. I'm not seeking anybody else's approval. Only God's. Amen. I'm not going to stand before any of you on that last day. The elders of this church aren't going to stand before any of you on that last day. The elders of this church are not going to stand before any senator, any governor, any house of representative. The, 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 we will all stand before God one day. Amen. We will stand before Christ. 
And he will either say, well done, good and faithful servant, or he will say, depart from me, I never knew you. I long to hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. Amen. Amen. And so it does not matter if the government legalizes this or the government legalizes that. It doesn't matter if the government declares that this is illegal or that that is illegal. What matters is what God has said. What has God said? Jesus said, Matthew 10, 22, you will be hated by all for my name's sake, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. Listen, Christ's call to his church today is one of endure. Don't shrink back. Don't get weak. Don't get soft. Though the world is trying to clamp down on us, though the culture is coming out against us louder and louder, though the world may try and cancel us, the one who endures to the end will be saved. Jesus says, don't worry about if people hate you. They're going to hate you. The more we are clear about who Jesus is and who Christ is, the more we will be hated by the world. John 15, 19, Jesus says, If you were of the world, it would love you as its own. But instead, the world hates you because you are not of the world. But I have chosen you out of the world. We must divorce ourselves of the idea that we can follow Christ and be accepted by the world. Look at what they did to him. That's the guy we follow. Amen? They put him on a cross. That's who we follow. It, it should kind of give us an idea of how things are going to go sometimes. The world's not going to love us. The more clear we are on the gospel, the more the world will hate us. But for those who are being saved, it is the power of God. Amen. And so we cannot water down the gospel. We cannot turn from what God has spoken. As we organize our church, we must do it according to the word of God. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. This is a promise. Jesus is building his church. We may pass through the fire, but the fire will not prevail. And Jesus is building his church on the foundation of the apostles, the prophets, himself, the chief cornerstone. The church is built on the foundation of the word of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Help us, Lord, to humble ourselves under your word. Lord, we, living in the world, it is so easy to be pulled one way or the other to, to let the thoughts of the world and the values of the world and the thinking of the world infiltrate our hearts. But Lord, you've called us to be faithful to you, to show our faithfulness by being faithful to your word. As we embark on this series, help us as a church. Lord, we ask for your help as a church. Lord, we want to be faithful to you. Lord, where we need to be tweaked, tweak us. Where we need to be built up, build us up. Where we need to be rebuked, reproved, exhorted, exhort us. Where we need to be purified, God, purify us. We know that you're coming back for a bride that is spotless, that is pure, that is holy. 
uproot from our hearts any idea that we would have that we can live for you and yet be accepted by the world. Help us, like so many that came before us, to say, no matter what will come, we will follow Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.